I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello, welcome to Going Off Track. I'm Jonah. I'm Brad. And together we are going off track. <laughs> Along with Stephen and Benny. <laughs> hey, we're doing a live event. Woo! I don't know why, right. I, why I haven't been announcing this in any us. of the podcasts. <laughs> oh my God. Uh, November 15th. Right on. Uh, we'll be doing our next live going off track, which will also be the book release show for Laura Jane Grace's memoir, Tranny, written by her and... Noisy editor and sometimes guest host Dan Ozzy. Yeah. Uh, we will be interviewing them at the Brooklyn Bazaar on November 15th. I believe it starts at 7. And then Laura will play some songs. And it's going to be a fun time for everyone. Yeah, don't forget. It's a good time to don't see, forget. you know, Stephen and I, who are, you know, amateurs now at drinking alcohol, getting drunk. Yeah. It'll be great. So we'll say something. I'll say something embarrassing. Yes. Brad will say something embarrassing <laughs> and sort of offensive if it goes as our normal live podcast. <laughs> Down uh, on it. And uh, and tickets are available now. I know they're available at the Word bookstores or online on the Word bookstore site. And I believe they're $35, but also come with a copy of Laura and Dan's book. Impressive. And I got to say, I read the book and it is fucking awesome. And all the illustrations are by also frequent guest host, Steak Mountain, who for some reason is in like Europe on vacation <laughs> and can't do the podcast. Uh, anyways, yeah, uh, but we, yeah, it's going to be super fun. November 15th. Come, going off track with Laura Jane Grace and Dan Ozzy. Uh Today on the podcast, we have another guest who is in a cool band. <laughs> I fancy that. How, how's that for a segue? Uh, Jeremy Bowen from Touche Amore. Um, who also has his own podcast and uh, and his own label, Secret Voice. Jeremy kind of is one of those dudes who's uh, doesn't really party and is super productive. Yeah, which is what I hope to be someday. <laughs> um, but I I'm starting to turn into just doesn't party and isn't productive either. <laughs> um, so that's cool. Anyways, uh, Jeremy finally came by. Uh, Touche was here playing with Hum um, in support of their brand new record, Stage Four, which uh, I gotta say, like Laura's book, also. Really awesome. Also really serious. I mean, the the album is sort of about Jeremy's mother passing away from cancer and uh, sort of how he dealt with it. Um, but it's a super, super emotional, super... It's just a great, great hardcore record. Um, 
and I've been trying to get him on forever, and he finally was able to do it when they're out here with him. Um, so yeah, and Benny from the Gaslight Anthem was also a fan, came in and sat in on this one. And then uh, Jeremy actually stuck around and guest hosted our next podcast, which I'm not going to say who it's with, but look for an upcoming podcast from the same day with guest host Jeremy Bull. Yeah. Yeah. Big bonus there. Big bonus. Uh, and so these guys are on a pretty rad tour right It is. Uh, Touche are on tour with two very good bands, Tiny Moving Parts and Culture Abuse. And they're in, uh, I know we got... I know we got a lot of listeners in Morgantown, West Virginia. Uh, they're playing there tonight, and then they're in Virginia Beach, North Carolina, Kentucky, Texas, and then um, they're home. It looks like they're home for the holidays, and then in January they are hitting Europe, um, and they're hitting going it, everywhere. They're hitting it hard. <laughs> I mean, really yeah. hard. Germany, Denmark, Italy, Switzerland, France. United Kingdom. I mean, it's fun routing. Yeah, pretty good. And they're wrapping it all up February 23rd in London. I'm, maybe I can try to, like, go to some of these shows and find someone to let me write about it. Yeah, dude. Or you can just go sell merch. Yeah, maybe I could go sell merch. I don't know. I don't know if I could do that. <laughs> it's a good way to meet people. I hate selling merch. <laughs> I'm going to have to do it this weekend. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes it's fun. Sometimes it's not. I only, it's only, it, the only like real incentive for me to do it is when like, I'm like, I'm going to lose a lot of money if I don't sell a lot of merch. <laughs> Cause I feel like for so long with the UN, like Jeff was the only one who didn't party. And so like he would, and he was like the singer. So I felt like he would go do it cause he wouldn't have to like break stuff down. And I'd like constantly like the guys in the other bands would be like, Hey, like there's a bunch of people that want to buy stuff. And we'd be like, yeah, whatever. Who cares? <laughs> uh, and then I feel like whenever you want to sell merch, you're standing there. It's like crickets. Right, right. So, but I'm trying to be better about it. Yeah. I mean, it's part of the gig now, dude. I mean, it always has been, really. Yeah. And the truth is, is like, you don't, you sell more merch if you if somebody from the band is over there. Always. Yeah. But I feel like we actually sell more merch if, like, the front man's there. Yeah. I'm sure that's probably true for any band. Yeah. Yeah, but I do feel like we sell more merch if someone's there. Yeah. <laughs> We've been on a, a lot of tours where it's just like someone like Luke from Framework, someone from the opening band is, is like, uh, I'll just sell you merch. Like, it's just like, it stresses me out. The fact, and then like, it'll all just be like strewn in boxes. Like, where? what size is this? Like, I don't know. <laughs> so anyways, uh, I guarantee you, knowing Jeremy and Touche, they have very cool merch that's organized. And they have someone specifically selling it. That's right. It will so, do a great job and get it to you quickly. Yeah, but... Um, in Hungary. And in Hungary? <laughs> they play in Hungary on this? I don't know. They're playing I'm, all over the place. I'm hungry. <laughs> um, so, yeah, check out Stage 4 on Epitaph. We're going to talk about it a lot. We're going to talk about other fun stuff. Listen to this episode with Jeremy Bone. Um, I have something to share with you guys. Is this is this Mike? Are you are you good? Hello. Yes. Hello. Yes. Benny has something to share. Yeah. So this is already recording. Yes. Oh okay. yeah. So as um, two struggling millennials, such as yourselves, myself included, I say struggling because we're I think all right on the we're like tweeners, right? I hate that we can we're be, right. 
What year were you born? I, so I read that it was 1980 and up. I was born it September is. 79. I think it's bullshit. I think oh. it should be. It seems it should be like 19, like 89. Yeah, and up that seems way too early. I feel like a millennial. A millennial should not. Uh, you shouldn't be able to be called that if you lived without the internet. I agree. Ever. Mm-hmm. I agree. If if yeah, the smartphone, all of those. But things. when did you get home internet? Uh, probably mid 90s right yeah like what, how 90s. old are you i'm 33 you're 33 you're 35 35 i'm 36 <laughs> about to be 37 Oldest. So, if, so if i'm so if i'm upset about it you guys are really upset about it well I, i'm not very upset <laughs> you know because it's more like i just hate being classified with things where i'm just like no like i rem- like i remember certain things that you would have no idea about but, yeah. do you, but does that make, I kind of feel like a hip old man because yeah. I like saw the other side. I went to the World's Fair and <laughs> saw the first flip phone, you right, know, and right. like, and I'm like technically a millennial and I can share these stories I, right, with I, you. If you ever owned a beeper, you're not a millennial. Yeah, I never owned I a beeper. I not but... only owned a beeper, I like put Smart Beep out of business with how long I had it. I mean, one ninety nine a month unlimited beeps and voicemail so what's the deal <laughs> literally you, you just i guess there were just payphones everywhere at that i never had a yeah. beeper so i don't remember using payphones well, very often the funny part for me i had a, a relationship with the payphone that we could get into for for hours because okay. with a specific payphone no just, i okay. guess the royal we okay pay, the payphone <laughs> in general but um i think like i mean i I got to that point with a beeper where I started borrowing people's phones to answer. So I was like that guy in so the crew. So people have cell phones. People you- had cell phones okay. everywhere, and I was like the asshole holding out, which right. is usually in my life how it goes with technology. Is right. like everyone's doing it. They're all friends and enjoying this new thing, and I'm like the asshole on the outside who waits like three years to get it. Right. That's usually... I still don't even have a Facebook because of that logic. Sure. I just never got one. But all this being said, the thing I want to share with you guys... Please. As struggling millennials, as I clearly (laughs) tapped into something here, is while I was peeing and checking my phone with the other hand, maybe actually an indication I am a millennial. Yeah. The fact that I can do both. Both, yeah. Um I just hit 10,000 followers on Twitter. Oh, congratulations. Whoa. Thank you. Oh, congratulations. Thanks. Congratulations, Benny. Which, you know, I've been, I never thought like much about it. Yeah. But once I did hit like 9,900, I was like, you know, just give me the 10. This will look way better with just 10K. 10K. Yep. And I, then like if I have some like some things someone asked me to do and I'm like, oh, here, let me write you a direct message. And then they like check me out. They're like, oh, that guy, he's like, He's, he's like, up there. He's something. He's got that little check and 10K. I noticed that you removed your... Um... The parentheses. Yes. I did. I, uh, I haven't been engaging in such conversations on Twitter yeah. recently. You haven't been arguing with Nazis on Twitter? No, but even though I did... So, Jeremy, you're, you're a Twitter guy. Have you ever, like gotten into the dark side of twitter if you ever investigated trump supporters or not exactly fighting i mean because most of them are public enough where you can sort of just graze the pasture (laughs) as it were (laughs) of racist grass eaters (laughs) so wait you're talking about like like looking for for like well yeah just out of curiosity well i feel like more like that came to you 
Like mostly, yeah. Like for yeah. the most part. It all started when I was I told some guy, this is what happened to me a couple months back. Hillary Clinton posts something about Ramadan. Just happy beginning of Ramadan. I'm like, whatever. Cool. Don't think much about it. I'm going through the sp- scroll and I see some guy post a giant plate of like pork and ribs. <laughs> and he's like, in honor of the first day of Ramadan, I'm doing this. And by the way, your husband's a racist. And I'm just like, cool, nice guy, you know? Yeah. And I just write to him. I don't know him from anyone. And I just write classy. Right. Classy. Yeah. This opened a floodgate. Oh, man. The, and this is why I'm asking, because Jeremy, I walked into the other side of Twitter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is basically like... The deep web of Twitter. That yeah. like creepy booth at Waffle House. <laughs> you know, that one of like the dudes you're hoping like just don't start talking to you. Sure. Have all found each other. Yeah. Like, so the Waffle House bad booth found the other Waffle House bad booth. Yeah. And now they have this, like, giant Waffle House I on the internet. Every now and again, like, because I don't, I don't follow Trump, but, like, about once every couple of days, I'll be like, what's, what's he been saying? Yeah. You know? And then you click on one of his, like, crazy things he says, and there's, you will always find the person you're like, I think that person might be a Nazi. And then you look at their, and then, like, the background banner photos, like, something hella sketchy. And then, like all the retweets are hella sketchy, and you're just like, "Oh my god, these aren't these aren't just figments." Figments. Did you guys see no. any of the stuff from the Rob Lowe roast? I haven't watched. I it. heard about I, the I Ann Coulter, but they went thing. they went on Ann Coulter so hard. And it's funny, someone last night, a friend, like a, a friend, was like, "Was like, man, I feel bad for Ann Coulter," and I was like, "Wow," and I just wanted to be like, "Why?" Yeah. Like I, I guess it's just like all it is is like making fun of her looks, which is like yeah. But there was a mm. there was a lot of like Nazi stuff too, yeah. Because she's a Trump, so such a big Trump supporter, and she's just a, a go. Up, I mean, you could just say a terrible of everything supporter. Yeah, like yeah. I, I feel you could say anything about her at all, and I'd be like, I think good. She's yeah. awful. I, you know, I, sh- I find that that empathy though for like when people start like going like horse face, right? I'm like, that's where that's where. The other side goes too far where a person like me, I do start to feel empathy for someone. Sure. I mean, I'm making, like someone, that, I'm making like, fun of someone's looks is never, it's really not that cool, but she's so bad that I'm like, but, but isn't, it, isn't it like she has so much stuff that you could you get could her just, on? Oh, totally. Yeah. That's why yeah. I see like Chris Christie getting fat shamed all the time. Right. And I'm like, you know what? Guy's got plenty under his belt that is that, true you see what, yeah, yeah. Jonah, that was kind of like one of your <laughs> that years. was sort of um yeah. to make fun of him instead of just being like a oh, fucking fat load you well, know it's, it's interesting because like with because joe rogan talks about i've heard him talk about chris christie a lot and he'll talk he's like i couldn't vote for someone like that because they can't take care of themselves right like if they're that obese that means like and it's like that i feel like is it tricky too because you're like well some people can control this it's more. Genetic. Some people, yeah. yeah, it's genetic. And it's like, what are you going to do? I mean, like, is Chris Christie going to the gym every day? I don't know. Like, I have my own shit to worry about. But- <laughs> I feel like with the roasts, though, like, they'll, all, like, a lot of comedians like Jeffrey Ross and all them will say, like, the meanest thing you can possibly say is, like, if you went on her for her politics, you probably won't get as big of a laugh as calling right. her a horse face. Right. So that's, well, like, it's, what they're it's probably also going like, for. Those roasts are weird, too, because I feel, did you see the James Franco one? I did. That one I thought was great, and I thought it was great because everyone knew him and was friends. Yeah. And it's like they're making fun of each other, and they're all comedians, and at the end of the day, it's like, that was good. Like I feel like it's weirder when you're like, you have some stranger 
just like saying this horrible shit to you and you're like you don't even know me i forget who would have been on on that roast but i feel like every roast there's going to be the person that's going to get it the worst like was it bob saget's roast that had carrot top yeah where you're just like i don't know if it was bob it was someone someone i know you're talking about carrot top yeah you're like there's no way he's not just going to get it this whole time and he did yeah like the entire time yeah he looked everything did he seem to take it okay no no, he was real. He was real bummed about it. I could tell. See, that being said, like, I don't, I don't think I could be roasted. Oh, it would hurt. Like, I yeah. actually can't. Th- we're talking about roast. I can't watch roasts. <laughs> I can't. Yeah. I just like I get that like bad jittery feeling that makes me feel terrible. Mm-hmm. Like it's the same thing. Like I used to not get a kick out of watching Jerry Springer. Or like those shows where I'm like, I'm like, I don't want to want, I'm like sad yeah. that all these people have all these terrible problems and they're this fucking dumb. Sure. Like that just makes me sad. Yeah. I don't feel better about myself because they yeah. exist. That's why I don't watch, that's why I can't watch like hoarders. Because I feel, right. cause it's like, hey, these people have mental illness and now let's take their stuff I away. I was listening to this podcast too. It's called like, I wish I could remember. It was a guy who started, not hoarders, but you know that company like Got Junk that like, they they like have the dumpsters that like okay, takes all yeah. their stuff oh, away right. and it was called like five decisions or something and it was like literally it was about how like literally everyone's like five decisions away from being one of those people mm-hmm. like all those people it's like it's like you see them and you're like oh man like this is really bad and then they're like well this happened and then i lost my job and then this person died sure. and it's like all this stuff and then they're like and then this is this is like kind of how i ended up and it's like you're like when you trace the steps you're like this is like totally stuff that could happen to anyone oh Anybody. yeah yeah Yeah, anyone who's been, and, you know, we talked about this, I remember, on previous podcasts. I feel like that happened to me, and I guess this ties in perfectly to the interview. That happened to me when my mother passed away. Right. Was that I reached this, like, point of borderline lunacy that I started to, like, be like, all right, pull away my band, pull away my friends, pull away my family. If I didn't have those things... I could see myself fucking going off the ledge. And it gave me like a lot more sympathy for someone living on the other side who like their life spun out of control. Sure. I can see like more clearly how that could happen to someone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I know like the new record's a lot about your mother and her passing away. Sorry, by the way. Um, Like, do you find, has that happened to you at all where you can... See, see those types of things differently yeah. through the experience. I mean, also, I, I don't know if you because uh, we we talked over text yeah. from other two. We're like, <clears throat> you. I find myself looking at other people, like more elderly people, like that kind of resemble her, and I find myself going out of my way without even like consciously doing it to like say hi or to yeah, yeah. to like engage them in some sort of way. You know what I'm saying? Like, I would say more that. Um, like I, uh, before this tour, I started, um, we hadn't toured in so long or played shows in so long that I was like, I have to like run a little bit. I, I feel like I'm, you know, kind of falling apart a little bit. <laughs> so I started, uh, going to like, get into y- the mid thirties, Jeremy. Yeah, that too. I started going to the YMCA just to like run a couple days a week. This touring thing you know? catches up to you. It dude. really does. So I started like running, <laughs> running a lot and there, and the YMCA is like, it's a lot of senior citizens, sure. which is great also because there's like no nervousness of like, man, I'm not that in shape. <laughs> right, I'm right. just like, like your I'm balls the, are still ascended. <laughs> so you're feeling good. Yeah. I'm, I'm like the, I'm the in shape guy there. And, uh, 
you know, I'll, I'll come across these uh, elderly people, a lot of elderly women who are like, you know, trying to figure out how to use machines and stuff like that. And I'll just like go out of my way to like help them out and whatever and, and engage that because it kind of gives me that same feeling of being around her. Right. Which is nice. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, what was it like? Because I felt so bad, man. And I know this is not intentionally, but when I heard the record and I remember when you were out here mm-hmm. with your mom yeah. in New York and I remember being like, do you want to do the podcast? And you're like, eh, I'm sort of like this family trip. And then like you have that song about it and yeah. all this stuff. I was like, man, like Jeremy's probably having this like super emotional, crazy, like, I mean, what was that trip like, I guess? And like, also like, I'm sorry for bothering you during it. Oh, I had, God. I had like no idea. I was just no. like, oh, Jeremy's in New York. Jonah, no, no. you didn't get sassy for the denial, did you? Never. I'm never, okay. by the way, I'm, nev- I'm never, I'm always like, especially something, I was like, yeah, you'll be back. I'm How never- bad would you feel if you were like, thanks a lot, Jeremy? <laughs> if I was like, dude, you always fucking blow me off, bro. You're gonna brush like, me off yeah, again, yeah, all in caps. Yeah, yeah. I would, I would have felt really bad. This, this is just, I just always you feel bad. You already feel bad for nothing. Yeah, this is just me feeling bad for nothing as usual. No, no. It was, uh, it was honestly like, I I don't look at that. That trip was, for the most part, like not at all sad. It was very very joyous because um, she had. I've talked about it before. Like she had always always wanted to come to New York and just like never could um, because she moved from Nebraska to the West Coast and then like met my dad and start you know like worked struggled to like live and then had a family and and all those sort of things. So when I started coming out here. My first time out here was like 2007 or something like that. And uh, it just, she would just need to know every detail, you know, like, <laughs> tell me about the building, tell me about this. And like, yeah, like 285 Ken is disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> and then, um, you know, I'd always bring her back like dorky souvenirs of Do like. Do you know like what sold her on like the image of New York? Like those old movies? Old, like-, like probably movies and just like you know the 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 big bright lights of Times Square like you know she would watch the ball drop every year and right. like all that sort of stuff. Um, so she was just I think obsessed with like the glitz and like the glamour and the excitement of like what is New York City. So um, we had done enough flying to where I had accumulated miles to where I was like I said on my brother, I was like, because my brother, my brother travels, but not anywhere. It's not a priority to him, you know? So like he'd been a couple places for like work trips and things like that. So it was like, he's never been to New York either. So I was like, this would be a, a perfect occasion to make this work. So um, the three of us flew out and it was just the best time. You know, like at that point, she, not only did she, was she weak from cancer, but she also had like severe scoliosis. So like walking anywhere for an amount of time was like hard for her so we had her had a wheelchair and just which was great because it kind of got us to the front of every line which is really really helpful so it's like it's like we get to the empire state building it's like oh man this line is going to take a couple hours and then they just you cruise right right to the front um (laughs) which is great which made her definitely feel very like royalty um (laughs) but uh no it was it was really wonderful just like i'll never you know it's like the the memory that i'll never ever forget just like seeing her look up and be all excited and and see these things that she's always wanted to see so where did you hit what were like the main spots that santa's she party house yeah yeah exactly yeah we, uh, <laughs> every punk venue the old cbgb's yeah, exactly. yeah exactly she wanted to see ABC where punk started yeah that was, um, it was it like Times Square, Empire State, like stuff like that, so or, we did the skys- or some deep cuts. We did the skyscraper music video last time I was out here, and right. we did that all in one day, wow. and it was like 
every, we hit almost every single place that we went, which was like uh, Statue of Liberty, like out to Liberty Island, like on the boat. And which then, is Jersey, by the way. Just oh, want you to know. Oh, that. okay. Cool. I didn't know that. That's ours. Okay. So just is that, that true? Out there. Liberty Island is considered Jersey. It's us. Really? Wow. I never knew that either. Ours. Okay. <laughs> okay. Okay. Um, Very proudly bit, pointing at myself. Yeah, yeah, as yeah. if. I had anything to do with it. tax dollars support <laughs> yeah. Liberty Island. Besides for my my immigrant grandparents coming there, that's the <laughs> only thing I did. <laughs> uh, so we did that. We did uh, Empire State Building. We did um, like Wall Street, like the bull. We okay. did... Uh, um, God, everything. Um, we went to a Broadway show. Went nice. and saw Wicked. Awesome. Uh, which is funny. It was so funny because she wanted to see that show so bad and then like probably started to fall asleep like towards the end my brother was so disinterested and i was like crying I was, and i went into it like the least interested i was like broadway okay i mean yeah. it's not my thing and then i was like in um so yeah like all yeah all the Times square stuff um uh and then just like the small things you have to do here like eat slice of new york pizza like just just all yeah. those all those sorts of things sure. you know that's um, great yeah, it was uh, it was the best experience. Did it feel good to get to like that point in your life where you could like treat be like yo get on my miles? Totally, like, you could come out to New York. Like, yeah, was that validating for like all the work? A lot you of did? things, totally. Yeah. Where like, um, I mean, it's hard to you know this, you know this. It's hard to convince your parents that playing in a punk rock band is anything of value for your life. <laughs> right. You know what I'm saying? Sure. Like. Do you remember the point in your in Gaslight to where, if it was even Gaslight, to where you were like, you brought your parents out to the show for them to go, okay, this matters. Um, I remember, yeah, I do remember the point where I could start to like tell them things. Yeah, that you know, I'm like that kind of guy. I don't like being like, yo, I just got this or this. Sure, of course. I like being a little more low key about it. Let let maybe let the praise come to me. <laughs> so like, so I'd be like, oh yeah, yeah, I did this and that, but I knew like I was like, oh, they know like this is like real now. Okay, this is like legit. Like, okay, yeah. I don't remember like specific, specific point moment. Do you was I that do. it? No, no, no. It was uh, we played because I had played in bands before Touche that just like toured, came home broke, you know, just bad, just like hard touring stuff. Mm-hmm. So then, um, and I'm older than the guys in my band too. So once. That last band broke up. I got a shitty day job and then started a new band pretty quickly. And I remember telling my brother and my mom, like, like, oh, yeah, like doing a West Coast tour, this new thing. And I could see just the look in their face like, ugh, <laughs> again? Like, you're going to do this again? Yeah. So it was like a couple of years, like, I think it was 2010. We were on tour with Envy. And nice. at that point... Who did West Coast? Maybe La Dispute. And we played the Troubadour in LA, which is like 500 cap store, you know, great venue or whatever. But all of us invited our families out. Like, the, you've been to the Troubadour. Yeah. To where, like, that, you know, like the upstairs, that balcony, that first that first row. Was all your people. All parents. Oh, all man. parents. <laughs> and we played and, like, had a great reaction. Kids sang along or whatever. And after that show, my brother and my mom both, like, in their own way were like, you should keep doing this. That's like, cool. this is this is whatever. And then after that, like both of them became huge supporters. Like we'd have like every time we would play LA, 
um, my mom would be on like the side of the stage or whatever and, and would just be losing her mind. And my brother would be like end up going in the crowd and like singing along and stuff, which is sure. like the coolest, most like gratifying thing to be like, okay, not only not only are they supporting it, but they're like excited about yeah. it. Yeah. You know? That's a hard thing, I feel like. I mean, I try to have sympathy for families when that's going on because I mean, it comes from a good place. Yeah. You know, it comes from that spot. Like, I remember my grandfather on my mom's side, regardless of what I was doing, regardless of where I was going, I would tell him, I'd be like, oh, I'd be, I was in London, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. Are you making money yet? You know? like Because yeah. to him, it was all about family, setting down the dollars so you're all right, so your people are all right. That mentality actually really helped my family. But, like, I, I always, I remember, like, it hit a point in, like, the mid-20s. Where I remember people being more like, yeah, like, I know you're doing this, but like... What's the end game? Yeah, what's going on here? You're yeah. right, you know? Like, where people, I think, start getting more concerned yeah. more than anything. I do have this, like, romantic story about Gaslight I've told where I was like, this is my... Me and Brian, and like, this is our last one, and we're going for it, and blah, blah, blah. And like, if it doesn't work out, get real jobs. But I said that about the band <coughs> I had before Gaslight. Sure, sure. So... In reality, I yeah. was probably already a lifer and I was going to wind up doing it again. <laughs> totally. <laughs> Do you but. feel like, because it feels like me, like Touche and Gaslight, I mean, to me, the stuff with Gaslight feels as an outsider, like it happened faster. Like Touche, I feel like I heard about you guys for a while and it mm-hmm. like was small. And I know Jeff obviously was like, you know, big supporter of yours early on. But to me, it like felt like it just kept getting bigger and bigger and it was very gradual. With Gaslight, it felt like, Singer Swim kind of came out, people liked it, and then all of a sudden you were like a huge band. 59 Sound just, I yeah. felt like, exploded. Yeah. That's where it, so like, yeah. that's where we started getting confused. Because <laughs> on, like, everything that was happening with Sink or Swim was, like, in our, like, realm. Yeah, yeah you know right, what I mean? Right, like, right, like, right. like the now, instead of, now instead <clears throat> of driving to Greenville, South Carolina, and playing to two people, yeah. which we did a lot prior to that, we're going to Greenville, and there's, like, 20 who know the lyrics right which to us at the time was like great success you know just to be able to like go to any town and people even know your music totally was like that was already like whole you know i remember the cal i I could actually probably point i was at this california show where i feel like for you guys it probably was was it knitting factory in la it wasn't any factory it was the key club and it was with Alkaline Trio. Oh, yeah. And Broadway Calls. And I would say, no disrespect to anybody, but you guys owned that show. Like, you owned guys. Owned it. Because you guys played it before Alkaline Trio. I'm, and, I'm texting Derek Grant after this. Yeah. <laughs> What's up, homie? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, one I, time I won. There was just like a specific <laughs> level of energy and excitement to see specifically you guys in that room that yeah. I was like, these guys are this is it. You know what I'm saying? It was like an exciting show. It was a fun time. <laughs> <laughs> Let's say that. Uh, yeah, I have a question. It goes back to like the roasts, which like I was thinking about. I mean, that's like the ultimate like stripping down of like your yeah anything. I always feel like once you go like public with like your music and especially you as like a front guy who's outspoken and does podcasts and owns a label and is kind of in the mix of things. I feel like once you 
start to do that, you open yourself up to like the court of public opinion. Sure. It's like comes with the job in a way. It uh-huh. can be a shitty side to some people. Some people love it and feed off it. Yeah. Like, does that aspect of things like make it what like how's that come into play when you write songs so personal like the idea that like you're talking about literally like i have to imagine the most vulnerable Mm -hmm. time of your life like by far like what you went through and the idea that somebody can take that and they can brush it aside they could make a joke out of it they could do anything they want with it once you put it out there like did that ever give you like a reservation to do it at all? Not, not really. Only because I guess, well, maybe a little bit. Cause this time around, I feel like I'm most anxious about, I should never read record reviews, but I do it, you know, of course. but this time around, it's going to be like, I feel like I will take it personally. If, if somebody, you know, Tear, tears especially lyric aspects apart like i'll be like i'm gonna remember your name <laughs> yeah um but uh you know i've i would like to i mean look we've all read the the lamb goats and things like that like people will just say the worst meanest things possible but <clears throat> i think that with this ass with with the contents of this record like I think that most people have lost somebody at some point to where like they can find some sort of like empathy for, for the content. Uh, whereas like before it's, it's a lot of more just like all the records before were just like personal stuff, which is way, I, f- I feel like way more of a target than, you know, losing somebody. Um, I would like to hope that it would be a little more sensitive on this, yeah. on this record, well, the, but, but you know, you don't know. I was thinking about, and this is just the way my brain works. I, yeah. I, I like, I, I love the record. I think it's great. Thank you. You're welcome. But I was like, man, like, what the fuck is Jeremy supposed to do after this? I was like, because oh, yeah. I was like, what's he going to write a song about, like, breaking up with a girl after sure. this record? Like, it's so, it's, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Um, and so I've made jokes because I feel that it survived by, there's such a huge aspect of that record where I'm sort of sent, like, the song to write content where I'm just like, everything is awesome. Like, like, all the things I used to sing about and complain about, like, like I'm pretty like I'm okay. Like things are great. Like I have all these awesome things in my life right now, and and I'm having a great time, and and I'm so thankful for everything. Like, like it's hard to write anything right now because I'm I'm happy, mm-hmm. you know. And what do I do? Like, am I gonna let people down if I write happy songs? Like all of those sort of things. And then it was like, oh, here's a challenge. <laughs> and then just like that swung in. And it was like, and just was like, okay, now I probably could write several i could probably write several records about the situation but i don't know if it would just you know honestly like after this i'll i'll i'm sure in a couple years like there could be material to write about look like reflecting on the whole experience you know like there's all sorts of things right you could be straight up wearing a dashiki by then like (laughs) chilling on mountaintops like doing all that sort of go full full leonard cohen and become a monk (laughs) yeah i mean you already live on the west coast yeah you're close. <laughs> There's a line on the record where you're talking about um, getting into this car accident you got into yeah. and walking away unscathed yeah. and sort of saying you thought maybe your mom was kind of like watching out for you. Sure. And I mean, is that something like I'd imagine like being in punk rock and stuff like I feel like it, you're kind of inherently skeptical of like religion and that yeah. kind of stuff. I mean, do you believe like in a way that sort of stuff is is possible or do you think it's more of a metaphor or it's that song in general when it comes to like the religious 
part of it or like the whole, you know, the, it, it, it goes in with that. Whereas it's interesting because I was raised religious. I was raised Lutheran and went to private school for elementary school and all that sort of stuff. Church so like, on Sunday. Church on Sunday, all, all of that sort of stuff. And did the youth group, did, you know, did confirmation, all of those things. And then it was when I went to public school where you start to, you know, meet kids that aren't religious. You met and the kids in the Megadeth shirts like me. Yo, literally, <laughs> literally owned the Sweating Bullets t-shirt <laughs> yeah. with, with the two guys looking at each other in the back, having the entire lyrics to the song. Hello, me. Hello, me. Real, real, real me. Some Jewish metalhead to <laughs> soil your spirit. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like, you know, I found, like, I, I became super obsessed with music, like, pretty quickly, really early on in my life. And... Um, you sort of start to hear the other side of things and then, you know, all of a sudden you're not going to church every Sunday and then all those sort of things. But, um, were either of you raised in much religion? No, none no. for me. Really. No, I mean, till nothing I was like, but, uh, existential struggle. That was, that was the most religion I was raised with. Okay. I mean, I was raised Jewish. I got bar mitzvahed and confirmed. And then I haven't really been back to temple in like 20 years. Okay. So. We're those typical, like, culturally associated Jews who probably don't know too much about. <laughs> Got it. Yeah. So, I but mean, but you had a bar mitzvah. Yes. The idea of like of like religious guilt is like for you know what I'm saying. Yeah. Like it's a real thing to where like even right now, if I was if I just say out loud, <clears throat> I don't believe in God. I know in my heart, like that I like it's like it's. Yeah, like, why would I? You know what I'm saying? Like, all those sorts of things. But there's always going to be something in the very back of your mind that make, that does, like, the the hands on the hips, the head tilt of, like, are you sure? Right. It's just, it's sort of, like, built in there to where it's, like, there's, because you've been given such fear of the afterlife of, like, hell and all these sorts of things to where as much as you're, you know, I'm, like, I'm like, yeah, there's no talking snake in a tree. There's no, you know, like, all those sorts of things where you're just, like, I know that's not real. But there's always just like this, like, and I think it also came from like my mom's side to where the last couple of years of like last ton of years of her life, like to make her happy, my brother and I will go to Easter Sunday and we'll go to uh, Christmas Eve services just to make her happy and, you know, shake some hands and see the old congregation and whatever else. Um, but when her and I would get into fights about it, it was like my, I couldn't think of anything worse. Like it was the worst worst thing to fight with her about because she could not accept that I did not believe in God anymore like and then that conversation is what got really really hard when she would be like when I go like the idea of never seeing you again you know and it's just like how do you respond to that you know you're just like because then you start to feel really selfish where you're like mm -hmm. uh, I mean this is all she wants but like yeah that 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 was always the hard thing so <clears throat> I think when I look at it now after like a lot of the, the idea of that song is like, I don't believe in heaven, but I want to believe in heaven because that's where she deserves to be, you know? So that's, that's kind of like what I struggled with, with that, with we, like that song. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's powerful stuff. Like, I mean, we talk a lot about on this show, like our own feelings of mortality and existentialism Jonah and I sit around and talk long enough. We're probably going to wind up talking about that. Yeah. And like the one thing we've talked about here, that is the thing that's always kept me agnostic rather than atheistic. Yeah. 
is that nagging sensation that you have? Like, because to me, like we always talk about science and faith as these, you know, counter things that, that just can't sit together. And there is no way to me to prove one way or another if that nagging feeling you have is some natural, like, predilection in humans to associate with something, to look for something. Like, when you're in this moment of peril that your automatic instinct is to seek something higher than you and bigger than you, is that, like, really the result of all of us and this programming, Mm -hmm. 100%, or this, like inner feeling that we should be looking for something more sure and like that sentiment (laughs) alone has kind of like kept me agnostic like Mm -hmm. all these years because like just to me the way an atheist would say religion can't prove themselves like science to me can't prove the other way on that so like where the fuck do you go from there yeah i'm 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 with you in a way where where like i i think like I in my like I would tell somebody like oh my god I'm an atheist but uh, but I think maybe now after my mom's passing I would lean more towards augment, uh, 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 agnostic because just because of that hope for her in a way you know what I'm saying and sure. like and I don't know like and it's that you know funny like I feel like there's like a Stella Michael Showalter Michael Ian <laughs> Black bit about like the I don't think. God is this like God could be anything. God could be like a leaf, you know what I'm saying? Like that whole sort of like, but like, yeah, I don't know if if the version of of God that I'm that I that I want to believe in is like the specific one that you learn about in Lutheran school. You know, right. it's like it's just maybe there's just something, you know. But then you get into the whole aspect of like, if there is a God, like how could you know how could God do such terrible things? And like that that was also like that. That's where the anger part of the song comes in, where it's just like you love this thing and believe in this thing so much, but like you are suffering so bad. Like how could, you know, it's fucked up to say, but like, how can you think that he loves you? Cause this is mm. fucking vicious. You know, right, like right. I can't think of anything more vicious than this. So like, that's where the anger side of the, of the, you know, the first verse where it's like, uh, I asked your God, how could you, uh, you know, that whole sort of thing. Um, but never heard an answer. So like, yeah, I don't know. It, that whole song is just like dealing with that whole side of like, I don't know what, but I'm angry, but I also hope and all that sort of stuff. It's interesting you said that. Like, I feel like everybody I know who went to Catholic school mm-hmm. or something like that are the most well-formed atheists I know. Oh, sure. Because they actually like learned the nuance. And I think the nuance is when you start to go, wow, this like can't be real. So like Elliot, our drummer, he went to Catholic school okay. and he's, he's very, very like middle finger up at it. You okay. know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, um, <laughs> he's a fiery, fiery our, character. Yeah. <laughs> on our drive into, on our drive into New York, we drove past like a, like a anti- uh, anti-science, you know, like like uh, uh, billboard creationism and we were, we were, thing. Yeah, creationism thing. We and we were like, well, we should just call it and like <laughs> sit in the sit in traffic and like ask this guy questions. So we were like definitely being like schoolyard dickheads, <laughs> like being like just like throwing him just to be like, what is this guy going to say? And some of the stuff he said, picking was, on the religious kids. Yeah, huh? yeah. It was. <laughs> I mean, like one of the things he said was like, 
so offensive where oh, where really? like we were at first, at first we were asking about like creation stuff and but like not like calling him names just being like i want to hear your side of this sure. right like you paid for a billboard you probably have some <laughs> new things to say that we haven't heard and, um, and did it, did he drop any dimes on you like he dropped some gnarly shit where when in the mid after all those conversations elliot just said so why can't women be priests <laughs> and then he was he basically without without a skipping a, a step was like because a woman belongs in the household Huh? And we were like, whoa, dude. Oh, like, he was just like, women do not belong in leadership. Uh, and it was just like, oh. And what was gnarly was like, you can tell this was a very nice person that we were talking to. But and but he hasn't he hasn't had any of his own thoughts. His own his all his thoughts come strictly from what he learned from the Bible. Right. And that's scary. Where it's like, you do not realize how that sounds really bad. Like that you don't think women should have any sort of authority at all that they literally like he said it like as if it was a compliment to them he's like they're sure. such good mothers they should just be right. at home raising the kids it's like fuck. and he's probably in an environment where that sentiment is never challenged exactly where every woman around actually believes the same thing totally i just saw the woman passed away who was the um head of the anti-feminist anti-employment uh, act yeah um, she was the one who spearheaded the, no, women shouldn't work. We should be home. Men should make the money. We should do this. Right. And she's like, I make all my own decisions as long as my husband approves. <laughs> and and this woman, like, this was not like some shit. Like, she had advanced degrees from, like, all these. She was a very educated person. She just, like, decided to believe that, you know? Yeah. And, and she, so she lived to, like, 95 or something like she that. She had a good run. Yeah. Which, you <laughs> yeah. know? Maybe it's a testament <laughs> to, to something she was but, doing. But yeah, we're, it's, um, <laughs> it's that's the perfect example of like dinosaurs need to die. You know what I'm saying? Like that that's got and they go. will. I it's mean, got to go away. It's gonna happen. Yeah, I mean, it's just the way it goes. I mean, I was so curious at changing gears a little bit. Like, do you still work at a record store? I don't. You no. don't. But you yeah. did until sort of recently. Well, so I worked. I worked at a record store from. I started the Saturday after I graduated high school. I was okay. like, do I go to college or do I work at a record store? I'm going to make great life decisions and I'm going to do this. <laughs> what was the store? It was called Backside Records in Burbank. Okay. Um, so I worked there until like 2001 to maybe 2005 and then got an adult job. I worked in post-production, um, which is a very Burbank job. Um, like my dad's in post. Like video editing? Post. Uh, the company that I worked for did... Uh, captions and added in commercials and stuff like that for a lot of fox shows so it did like bernie mac and malcolm in the middle and then like a lot of tons of movies and stuff like that so how does like, that work out of curiosity so you you receive one of these shows and then you so just start there's a vault this and also this is the mid-2000s so like everything now is totally digital in post-production right, right, so right. where like vault stuff is like pretty unheard of i mean a lot of post houses still have vaults but they're probably just full of like hard drives at this point whereas at this time we all they were like tapes like beta tapes now it's a giant vault with just one memory honestly yeah it's crazy so um we had just like rows and rows and rows of all these you know we also did like cops and like (laughs) like there's so many fucking episodes and seasons of cops it's crazy (laughs) so like every day we would just be given a sheet being like pull these tapes these are the episodes that are going to air today then you go give them to the to the people who you know do that you know they add it in and they whatever and then i didn't have a glamorous job there my when i first started working there i was 
I was I tape delivery. So like I would they would do that. I would get in the van and then drive all over LA driving to Fox, which is which for the us I'm assuming you guys both appreciate this, where the Fox uh building is Nakatomi Plaza from Die Hard. No way. So like I would drive to Nakatomi <laughs> Plaza every day to drop off uh, oh God, that sounds scary. Yeah. Wow. You never know what's gonna happen there. Exactly. So I'm just picturing you two like walking by Carl Winslow <laughs> yeah, exactly. and just giving a little like how you doing bud here with the tapes again. Exactly. So yeah. I would like, you know, I would I do my runs and drop off all these tapes um for stuff that was gonna air that later that day. Um which is also scary because like man if these don't get like we would be like hit with like a thirty thousand dollar like fine right, if like lazy. I don't if I don't deliver these so whatever. flat tire you're exactly I'm yeah. fucked so um that I did that for the first like couple like first year and a half working there then I was promoted to like the vault supervisor to where then like I was in charge of like de- you know doing all that stuff um like handing you know making sure stuff was going where it needed to go on sounds time. a little S and M. The vault. Oh, the vault. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Vault supervisor. Jeremy. Um, and it's funny because then go on. I got, I got <laughs> asked <laughs> to like go to a different department. Like, do you want to be in scheduling? Which is what my father does. Which is like a hella terrible job. Where like all of the stress is on you because you have to delegate to the tape operators what jobs go when, mm. and it's. I'm getting anxiety just hearing that yeah. this job exists. It's it, <laughs> and my dad's been doing it for like 40 years, and wow, wow. how my dad has not had a heart attack yeah. is insane to me. So um, they're like, "Do you want to move into scheduling, or do you want to learn to be a tape operator?" And I was like, "They're miserable because of the tape operators, and the tape operators are miserable because of the them." Those both look like shitty jobs <laughs> to me. I'm happy to be in the vault and make fucking eleven dollars an hour, ten dollars an hour. Um, I then stupidly took a job. After that, uh, doing sales at a tape film and media distribution company, which was the worst job I ever had in my life. It was terrible. I worked for like this guy who was like his he, his wife also worked there and he was like a raging cokehead and like yelled at everybody one day. And then the next day, like brought a cake in and yeah. was like, oh, Zeb, everybody. I Working for a cokehead is it's, like a Led Zeppelin song. Oh, <laughs> it was it was the worst, worst fucking job. And thankfully, I got fired slash laid off from there and then um then just did touche full time <laughs> oh wait do we, we still gotta keep that on the low <laughs> probably like, maybe, like low? A, maybe like a tax thing you'd yeah. be surprised too <clears throat> gotcha. a lot of people listen to going off track yeah like, <laughs> i mean what what i guess like um be obviously like you know like you texted me yesterday we we're talking about like record stores like you go to record stores when you're on tour yeah. you I'm so sorry I didn't answer your question. So just real quick, I, oh, I sorry. when I would be home from tour, I would go in there and I'd be like, yo, do you guys want me to like gotcha. work, here, work here a couple hours a okay. week? So then, I, yeah, I would like on and off in between tours work there just to like order records for the store and get a discount. Got it. <laughs> I mean, what I guess like sort of what I'm getting at, like I wanted to know that, but also like what keeps you interested in like finding new bands, staying on top of stuff? I mean, aside from it sort of being your job to be in a band, like... Because I feel like you hit a point, especially at our age, where you're sort of like, I've heard this. Totally. This band sounds like this band I like, mixed with this band I like. Why won't I just listen to those bands? Like, what keeps you from just getting totally cynical about music? Mm. I think it's just because it's, uh, God, This there's no way this is not going to sound so cliche. But like, don't it, use LA words. 
it was genuinely like my first love. You know what I'm saying? Like I I loved music so much that like it's all I know I'll ever care about. But <clears throat> that being said, when it comes to like punk and hardcore stuff, <clears throat> it's really hard for me to find new punk and hardcore bands that I like. Mm. Occasionally one will, every now and again, one, you know, they come around and they're great. Like Culture Abuse being a newer band. Um, I'm excited about that band. I think they rip and they're super catchy and fun. But like, when it, with like hardcore, it's like really hard to reinvent the wheel. You know yes. what I'm saying? Like there's, especially right now with like the huge like demo core sort of like craze. We're like, what's that? There's, there's just a lot of bands just doing like cassette tape demo stuff oh really and, okay. and it's it's like the the thing right now there's a lot of so many bands and no no you know nothing against them but like it just it doesn't do anything for me you know it's it's very you know three chord songs they all basically sound the exact same and it's like stuff that i've heard hundreds of times before and some of them are cool. Like, uh, there's a band from Boston called Firewalker, and I think they're doing interesting things. Like, I think they're cool. But then there's, like, for every Firewalker, there's, like, 17 other bands. Where that, you're, like, like, infested this better 20 totally. years yeah, ago. Totally, yeah. It's, like, it's yeah. They, like, they put a, you know, there's a band camp and then a three-song cassette tape that, you know, is fetishized and people get really into it and wear their shirt. And then they, it's like, this band's going to break up next week. And then onto the next demo tape right you know it's like it's it's hard for me to grasp onto that stuff because like i like hearing bands that you know are going to have longevity you know where like you're like oh i'm excited to see what this band is going to continue to do Mm -hmm. whereas like a lot of the bands seem very like come and go and that as you get older it's like hard to be excited about that stuff you're like i want something i'm gonna like attach myself to and be excited about benny did you know that jeremy had the first thursday fan site I didn't. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I probably visited it. <laughs> Paris and Flames dot. Yeah. Paris and Flames dot. What was what was like the CJB.net? Remember that? Where that like sounds Russian. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't trust it. <laughs> I probably just. I think it was CJB. I think that was Moscow and Flames. Yeah. Am I right? <laughs> uh, you guys just played with them, right? Yeah, we did the, the wrecking ball show. And I saw you went up and sang uh, "Cross Out the Eyes." I did. How was that? So fun. So fun. Did you have one of those like giggly I'm singing with Thursday moments or have you known them long enough now where it's like, ah, Jeff, whatever. No, well, God, it's still always exciting to be able to, it's exciting to be able to go up and do that, especially at their show back. And you did get a Tim set. <laughs> yes. It's nice to have Tim up there. It is nice to have Tim up there. So we love uh, the pain, I think. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, sorry. Oh, like, just question for me, Benny. Shut up. Christ. Um, <laughs> Hot fire, Jonah. Hot fire. <laughs> You're so good how you just sneak them in there. Thursday <laughs> Thursday puns is like literally like a part-time job for me. Like, especially on <laughs> UN tour. Oh, man. It's, I mean, oh, I don't even yeah. think there's any, like, I've had to like look up beasts. I was like, I've made every. Every one you could possibly yeah, yeah, think yeah. of. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. We toured with Thursday. They took us out in 2009, which was our first, like, not DIY tour where where we look at that as such an important part of our everything because we learned how to tour. You mm-hmm. know, like we were the first of four band where we we were just talking about this the other day where where the guy at the venue would come up and be like, like where are you guys gonna put your deads? We're like, what the fuck? It's dead. What is it dead? What is it yeah. dead? You know, Who or else like, was on this tour. Uh it was Touche Amore, the Deer Hunter, Fall of Troy, wow. and Thursday. 
Good okay. car. And don't those guys love saying words like that though to bands and kids? Oh, they know totally. they yeah, don't yeah, know. They don't know what they're yeah. like, you're gonna clear the deck? <laughs> huh? And you're like, huh? Yeah. What? And they'll wait. They'll just wait yeah. to be like, I've worked here a really long time and you don't know this one word totally. yet. It's I mean, like, we didn't even know what line check meant. We'd, yeah, we how had the fuck would you know? no idea yeah, what yeah, we were yeah. doing. So we are just like little kids, just, you know, sure. whatever. Um, and it's funny, I say little kids, but at that point I was like 24. You know what I'm saying? Like the guys in my band were all like 19, 18. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you were a leader of men. Exactly. Leader of young men. Exactly. So, um, but on that tour, they let me sing with them. You know, I got to do like, oh, okay. I was doing like Autobiography of a Nation. And then one of the last uh, new um, shows they did in New Jersey, like the year-end shows, um, they did all full collapse. And my favorite song from Thursday Forever was uh, Concealer. That was the first song I ever heard from them. Oh, okay. And uh, I got to do the screamings and that, and the screaming part in that song when I was at that show. And that was like, that to me was like, this was the first song I ever heard. This is the first song I fell in love with. And I got to sing this part. That, that to me was like the most exciting thing. Jeremy, can I, I, I don't know if you know this, and I don't even know if you know it either. I headlined Thursday's first show really? in New Brunswick, in New Brunswick Basement. The basement? Yeah. Wait, so who My played ba- the show? What band? It was called The Low End Theory. Oh, okay. Yeah, and it was us, I believe it was not you, was, Keepsake. Was it you and I that played that show? Because that's, that's, Jeff had told me in the past that, that their Thursday's first show first was a you and I show. It was you and I's last show. Is that a fib? Uh, no, but maybe I'm, I mean, listen, I thought, I think sometimes that very vivid dreams are real things. Yeah. So maybe it wasn't. I Thursday, mean, listen, Benny. Don't... Thursday's first, first show. Who knows? I was, was it, it in was. Jeff's basement? It was in the basement in New Brunswick. Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. But keeps It was played? at 331 Somerset Street. Yeah. And, well, I believe Clay, Clay Weirs did the show. Okay. Not Jeff. Um, no, not Keepsake. What was the other band? It was called Linus. It's this band from South Jersey called okay. Linus. And I don't remember the rest. But, yeah, I thought it was their first show. It very well could have been. He might be mistaken. You never know. I'm probably mistaken. What? But it was at least... Did you, did, you watch, one of, did you watch them? I did, yeah. Like, we knew them, like, from the start. Yeah. Yeah. And they, like, were really <laughs> good. And they put out a demo, and everyone was like, this band's really good. And then they just started getting bigger and bigger and bigger. Did they have, like, a... No, my nerd side's kicking in. Was it, like, a CDR? Or was it, like, a... No, it was cassette. cassette. There's the Thursday cassette. Yeah. Which is in my house yeah. somewhere. Is it like a, a cover or is it just like No, a... I think it was more of a duper. Okay. I think or no, they had like a like they had some kind of cover. Oh, I'm I remember I believe it was it, like take a photo it was like it. tan and it had like a little Thursday logo on it. Oh my god. They were one of those bands. They like popped up. We didn't know those guys. They weren't like old New Brunswick guys. They were from like weird parts of New Jersey and they like met at Rutgers. And then everybody just watched them get like, they were always good live. Sure. Like their first show, they were like, wow, this band's pretty good. Yeah. And then they just started like sounding better and better. You watch Tucker just get like better and better with every recording. And it was like, I remember watching the movie, the documentary they put out, and I was still learning things about them. I didn't know where like, was it Tom or either Tom or Tucker learned their instrument because like they were going to be in Thursday? Hmm. Like, it might have been I, Tucker. Yeah, I actually, think it was. Come I, to think, I was in that documentary a bunch of times. You were. I was like a talking head. 
because we filmed it at they filmed it at Norman Brandon produced it. Okay. And we did it at his apartment. And I remember they had like their old NR guy Ben was in it and yeah. I was over there and yeah, like I and I get recognized from it like maybe once a year. You They're get like, recognized. Oh. I get recognized. But maybe yeah. once every two years. It happens so okay. infrequently. People are like, Are you gonna kill the house lights? And I'm like, uh huh. <laughs> it hasn't happened in a while because I look so different now. Yeah. Wait, as a fun exercise? Yes. Can we see if Jeff Rickley right now will accept a call from one of you guys? <laughs> Who would he? Ex- he would accept the call from would, Jeremy I, before you, right? I would go with Jonah? Jeremy just because with Jeremy it's a little more special. I'm Wait, here all the time. Yeah. We, what would be really funny is we we both hit dial at the exact same time. <laughs> oh yeah, and see, see who, who he picks pick. up. And see who he picks up. Okay, all right. <laughs> so we have Jonah <laughs> and Jeremy right now on their iPhones. What's funnier is... And they're loading... Je- what do you guys have Jeff in your phones as? Are you just Jeff Rickley or is there some little pet name? I have Jeff Rickley. Jeff- I also have Jeff Rickley. Boring. But- <laughs> this is my old phone, but I think my contacts are updated. Oh, do you, do I actually you, have two you have numbers. rice do you in your one contact? of these? <laughs> The first one. From what I know. All right. Okay. But I mean, he, he... Yeah, who knows? All right, so know. I'm going to count it down. Okay. All right. One, two, three dial and okay. let's see who jeff rickley likes more if you're on speaker <laughs> i do not okay yeah let's hit speaker <gasps> oh no jonah's getting through minus still- he doesn't wait does he not pay for call I'm, waiting I might, I might have an old number though like i said because this is my old phone well let's see who it is <laughs> see it through <laughs> what if jeff just doesn't spring for call waiting oh no same thing i think <gasps> Uh-oh. I think we might. I think this might be because I have a bunch of numbers. But, but that, yeah. Uh oh, something strange is afoot at the Circle K. <laughs> <laughs> I also have four emails for him. I mean, like, dude, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's right. very true. That's very. So real. I guess we've proved that Jeff Rickley is hard to contact. Yeah. Look at the email. <laughs> Yeah, it's just a nightmare. They're both scrolling yeah. through many, many email addresses. Does he often get hacked, or is he very private? You know, it's very like, weird. The, the, I will say this is weird. I have it, Jeff Rickley, and then under it, it says Apple. Like he works at Apple. Oh, that Ooh. is strange. Um, Maybe some Thursday fan at like an Apple store, like hooked him up and gave him like Apple status at some point. I do remember. I did see them when they played the Thursday store minutes? in Soho. Does he pay for minutes? Is that a thing Ooh. you do? Because I just texted <laughs> him and it fucking delivered. Hey Jeff, add up your Boost Mobile SIM card. You, you know, know what? <laughs> actually, if it almost sounds kind of nice, if I was like, people just can't call. What if me. he's just on Wi-Fi and he just yeah. like that's the only. Or maybe time. he can only like. What if he can only call people? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, Th- there's something beautiful about being mysterious, guy. It's you know? also Jeff is definitely mysterious. Well, Jeff is like a, a like I feel like Jeff is like or like a real artist. Like it's like and I feel like like sometimes I don't know, like that like I think I don't, and I feel like that like figures into things too. Mm-hmm. I feel like when people are so passionate about like making art, like I feel like a lot of people aren't really like that. Like sure. he's one of the few people I've met where I'm like, "Wow, this is like all this guy is here to do." So Sure. Of. I get, I like to use that same sentiment when I'm like really frustrating doing adult stuff. I like to go to that place in my head to justify my own feeling. Sure. Like when I'm like an hour into like fixing like a screen door and then like paying a bill and like doing this and that, 
if I hit a point of frustration, that's probably sheer selfishness. <laughs> I like to think of it as I'm, I'm a, an artist I, yeah. doing like normal things. And I'm very frustrated. That's why this is right, happening. Right, right. Right. It's a great thing to go to if you have it. It's There's, like when you're when you're like the kid of divorced parents. Yeah. You can use that all the time, like through middle used, school man, and I stuff. Should, like, I should start using it now. Oh yeah, <laughs> use that now instead of my. Mom oh no, away. no! Now, now you just <laughs> look you soft. Should, what? Yeah. You can't blame divorce problems after thirty. <laughs> thirty talking about your parents' relationship just gets uglier Dude, and uglier. The next record should be all, all about the divorce. The divorce. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> my, dad's, just... my dad's on his fourth marriage. My mom was the first. <laughs> like love... being really late to the game on it. So you can make like a more like David Lee Roth style record for your father. Totally. Maybe yeah. just really. Yeah. You know what I wrote down here on my notes, Jeremy? That's kind of funny. What's that? I like to take like pretty extensive notes of someone we're going to talk to just in okay. case. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I don't even remember writing this. And I think I did last night really late. But I said, because of my like New Jersey, like, like people from New Jersey are automatically like a little distrusting. Okay. Because like most of the time when people are nice to you, it's part of some like larger hustle. Right. It's like the local thing. It's sure. like a thing. And you get a guard. You yeah. know, I remember the first couple times I met you. Yeah. I was like, this guy is so nice. I don't trust him. <laughs> I like that. I'm like, <laughs> this is cool. Yeah. I was like, I'm like, there's more. Yeah. I'm like, I'm suspect. Yeah. yeah like yeah. of this. Like it's like a front for like yeah, what's this, like, the real sugary, sweet, emotional, like yeah. right there, purposeful kid. I'm like, yeah. wow. I'm like. This because I found Touche more exactly how you're talking. Remember when I met you, Reading and Leeds was me stalking your set at Lockup Stage. Right, it wasn't the other way around. It was Even, me hanging out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you're backstage being like, "Hey, I'm a drummer from this band. I really like you guys." Yeah, that was, well, we were we. I think our entire band was playing air drums on the side during Pukle Pop, <laughs> and then the freakiest thing in the entire world was then we play Reading and Leeds, and we look over, and then you're playing air drums to our set, and I was like, the world is really scary. <laughs> like, this is the coolest thing in the entire world. Um, but, uh, so yeah, so are you to be trusted? Is anyone <laughs> to be trusted? Well, I think in any situation, you have to choose to trust somebody. Yeah. I mean, I'm a person born with mistrust. Like, sure. I look at everything skeptically. Yeah. So anytime I'm like, I trust this person, I have to like tell the 10% side of me of distrust to just go ahead and trust. Them. Yeah. So yeah. with me, no, I can never fully trust somebody. Sure. But you've gotten higher. Like, I do believe you're actually, like, a really sweet guy now. Yeah, I mean, I think everyone should do their best. You know, no one's perfect. But that being said, Jonah, have you noticed how he's darting around the question, can he be trusted? Well, that's a huge fucking (laughs) question. Well, and it's also, like, there's not a good way to answer that. I feel like, yes, it can be trusted. It's like, oh, you definitely shouldn't be trusted. (laughs) Yeah, totally. totally. Yes, yes. Uh, Your social security number is what? What? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, Can you want me to hold your wallet? (laughs) Um, yeah, I mean, uh, I think our friendship is pure. <laughs> I mean, but I, I understand, I understand what Benny's is saying though. Like you're very like, um, like a warm person, like easy to talk to. I mean, do you feel sure. socially, like, do you like being around people or do you feel like you're more of like an introvert? You like being alone? I like being alone, but I also like, I don't, okay. You, we were talking, uh, very early on about not hanging out. Right. I don't look for the hangout. Right. But 
all happily talk to somebody. You know what I'm saying? Like I've, I could probably count on two hands how many bars I've been to in my life. It's just like, I, I, I don't like big louds. I don't go to parties. It's just like things like that. Just, it's, it doesn't appeal to me. Also, I mean, the straight edge aspect of it is, is, is plays a role because it's just like, I don't drink. I don't like, I just feel like I'm taking up space, you know? So, um, but if I'm at a show, I'm happy to talk to anybody. Or if I'm like walking down the street and I'm happy to talk to anybody, I like engaging people at like record shops and things like that. Right. Um, and if I appreciate what you do as a person, like that's always interesting for me to talk about or whatever. Um, but do you ever find yeah. yourself like spread thin with it? I find myself and there's a, a couple people who've gotten really close to me in my life who if you met me on the surface, most people are like that guy. Yeah. Fun, sure. you know, outgoing, talks, this and that. And then like sometimes like I'll be like home for a week and my wife is like, yo, where is that dude? Because mm-hmm. he hasn't come home sometimes. Like yeah. he's like, and it's not like an alternate personality. It's like sometimes all of it goes to like social land. And then when I hit other parts of my life, feels like spread thin. Like, do you feel like you have like a side like that, that like the normal like Touche Mori fan like or something doesn't see that like the people at home, like your brother and like people really close to you like see? That's a good question. I don't know, to be honest with you. Like I, when I hang with my brother, it's like, you know, for like, for an example, like when I hang with my brother, it's just, it's usually just he and I, you know what I'm saying? Right. We'll just like go get food or something like that. Or, or maybe his wife will come along or something like that. But like, it's usually, uh, yeah, I don't know. I have a, when, when, if, if I'm walking down the street and like, a kid, or if I'm at one of our shows and a kid approaches me, maybe a little more excited, you know, like very, you know, like, oh my God, I try to diffuse it so quickly, you know, where I'm just like, I'm, I'm like a normal person, yeah, you know, yeah, like yeah. normal person. Um, I usually try to just be like, ask like what their life is about. You know, I feel like it's a good way to calm that sort of stuff down because I still don't know how to take that stuff or, sure. or whatever when people get very 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 like hyper excited about it's things. easy dude just get an oversized ring and wear it at all times <laughs> and if anyone comes up to you like that just make them give it a little smooth <laughs> that's like, what Benny does yeah uh, like oh your admiration is yeah. overwhelming yeah 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 <laughs> Please kiss the ring. Kiss well, the ring. I feel like I have a similar thing where like people are like, "Man, you like seem so social." I'm like, "Really? I don't feel social at all." Like I'll be like, someone will say, "I'll be like, yeah, I went to a show tonight, but like before, so I didn't leave my house for three days." Yeah, totally. No, totally. Like when I, oh god, when I'm home, I I don't do anything. I don't do anything at all. I love home. Yeah. I love just. You got a pup? Got two pups? Yeah, yeah. Just it's nice. I just you know I I I don't want to do anything. I just yeah. want to hang out. I want to. I want to sleep late and just listen to records and whatever else. You yeah. wake up in the morning, like, what's the first twenty minutes? Do you go straight for coffee? You go straight for food? Take shower? The, take the dogs out. Dogs so first thing. Yeah, they they're because they'll they go outside, but we all, but there's always the the mat on the ground. Mm. You know what I'm saying? And because, and and they're not good at it. They they try. <laughs> They try. Noble a, effort. It's a big square, but they constantly just piss on the side of it, and it just 
goes on the floor still. So like, I usually don't even get the morning pee first. Like I get out of bed and I'm like, I got to get these dogs outside. I see. And so they go before me because, you know. So... Yes. They nose you awake if you're taking too long. No, no, they're they're that's lazy. respectful. They're lazy as shit. They're they're <laughs> gonna get up when they. But it's like as soon as they see that I'm up, the tail start wagging. They're like, oh, we're going outside. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, do that and then come Co- inside. Coffee man. Co- yeah, then I'll. I have the routine that where I go to the the clo- I'm a Starbucks guy. Sorry. Um, <laughs> Why are you apologizing? Like, like pianos. Are they Starbucks they people? Love Star. Every day they want to go to. Star- or well, you know that was a, maybe a tour we did with Bass. But yeah, we went to we went to Starbucks pretty much every day. I I love it, and and uh, I was once called a hick for this, but I love it because it's consistency. Yeah, I know what to. I know what I I'm would gonna say. Who the fuck called yeah. you a hick? Patrick but- Kinlan. Patrick <laughs> Kinlan of Self Defense Family called me a hick. He, I wow. think he's coming out here, so I'm going to ask him about he is? that. Oh, yeah. Jonah, point, yeah. we got to keep that in mind about that I would, bougie. I mean, ass I would comment. say like there's. <laughs> I, I used to get know. called a hick. For like going to Dunkin' Donuts instead of Starbucks. I would come now to Hick if you were like, do you have like any lattes with hay in it or yeah. something? <laughs> Starbucks like, used to be the fancy option. What's yeah. happening? I really hope you podcast with Pat Kinlan because that's that'll that I would love to listen to that. Have you met him before? Do you know Pat? Never met him, but we've been emailing for years about okay. trying to do. And if something. you come, we're gonna dig into him about that. Oh, uh, don't uh, worry, he'll, Jeremy. He'll ha- he'll happily. <laughs> And he'll happily not back down. Yeah. So um, every morning you hit so, the Starbucks. Yeah, and it's but what sucks is it will the the closest Starbucks to me is the inside the grocery store Starbucks. Uh, so it's like every day I'm paying that extra what twenty five cents or something like that, which is. But I've become friendly with the staff, and I I love being friendly with with like the the staff at like a place you go to every day that have no idea about your life yeah you know what i'm saying like totally sure like i talk to them about their day like how their morning's going they're they're always asking you know like how's the dogs how's you know like they know very on the surface surface stuff stuff. yeah um but what's funny was about one month ago i'm in line and i order my drink and the person behind me goes hey are you are you jaren from touche they blew it up and but what was great was they they at no point asked what that was about. So I still like the idea that I'm sort of mysterious. Like, like yeah. they could think maybe Touche Moore is just like, what's that weird yeah. tire store this guy works totally, at? Like, totally, yeah. totally. Jonah, did I tell you I had my first going off track being recognized? No. I was at the I know far- that voice. I yeah. was at the farm. Get ready for it, bro. <laughs> I was at the farmer's market. They know that voice, right? When yes. I really ham it up. Um, I was at the farmer's market buying some vegetables and uh and a woman's like hey are you the you were did the laura jane grace uh interview and i was like yeah yeah she must have seen that funny picture of you doing the headstand right and uh i was like oh are you like uh like a radio guy or something and i'm like oh yeah i'm like oh, yeah. <laughs> I dabble. I mean, it took me like 15 years to call myself a musician. Like, sure, it took me like seven years of being paid as a musician to be like, all right, I guess I'm yeah. a fucking musician. So, guest hosting going off track, maybe how many times have I done it? 20? Yeah. Or something. Like, that does not, to me, like justify me being able to publicly say I'm a radio man. Yeah, you know, I'm I not understand. a I'm not a radio man. Yeah, so that's I I kind of funny term. It's like it's, it, we're all millennials here. This is a podcast. I know, <laughs> but I also feel like I, saying you have a podcast is almost like 
jump the shark at this point where like, right. like everyone has a podcast. Like, yeah. what are you up to? We're like, well, I have a podcast. Right, like, right, right. Oh, Jesus. I have to listen yeah. to this asshole talk. Yeah, exactly. So um, I believe I said I dabble. Yeah. So, so that's all she knows about me is that I dabble in podcasting. I've never met your sister. How does she handle these situations? You two are out. You're having yeah. coffee. Yes. Good and, question. And how does... And she's approached, I imagine, a lot. Yes. Is she warm? Is she, she is. It, it's, I've said this before. Like, it's so glad. I'm so glad things turned out the way they did because she's so good at it and I'm so weird about it. <laughs> like, do you get defensive? I don't get defensive. I'm just like, I'm protective. But, oh, so, that's what I meant to say. Yes. Yeah, so I'm always like, people are just excited. They want pictures. She's, she's so friendly. So she's just, like, that's just her personality. She's such a warm, friendly person. So whenever someone's like, hey, she's like, hey, can I do? and like, you know, even if like, if like she, you know, like even if she's like, does have a makeup on or something, she'll be like, can I give you a hug? Like, she's like, she's very, very warm and friendly. But yeah, I'm always like, what's this person's deal? Yeah. Like, I'm going to keep an eye on this. Like, I, I, and and nothing's ever happened. But yeah, I'm, I'm, but even when people come up to me, I'm always like, uh, hey, what's up? Like, I'm just not good at it. Yeah. And she just has always been really. That her it's perfect for her personality. Okay, like not in like a like she loves the attention, but she's no just, no no no. She just she knows good how at to engaging people. Knows how to handle. It. It's very natural. Okay, yeah, got it, got it, got it. So and yeah, and it also becomes a thing where it's like it becomes kind of normal. Where it's like it's an, at first it's weird, and then you're like, eh. It's well, I think I'm trying to phrase this and not sound like a just shithead, but like uh, I think. Being in the role to where you get recognized and people want to come up and talk to you, I think it also makes you very self-aware about a lot of things, too. Because I still get starstruck a lot. You know, like <laughs> like playing festivals with bands that I never sure, thought we'd sure. be playing festivals with. Like, I get starstruck. And I think because of, let's say, the weirder interactions I've had in my life, that it makes me be very self-aware about how I'm going to now approach people for the rest of my life. Where, like... As soon as I start talking to somebody, there's like the there's a countdown clock going on in my head of like I'm giving eight seconds of my like I like I'm only gonna bother this guy for eight seconds. And if it continues to engage, then I'm gonna add another four seconds. Like right, I'm, right, right, right. I'm gonna try to get away from it as quick. I just need to let this person know that I appreciate what they do and then I'm gonna leave. Yeah. You yeah. know? Um <clears throat> so I, that always leads to something interesting we talk about here, which is like I, th- I feel a lot of people who are in like a public type of thing start to get that like public persona, mm-hmm. you know, like this like character that they create in order to, you know, navigate that weird world of yeah. like talking to people and stuff like that. But then I think if it perpetuates long enough, this character becomes such a steady thing that these people lose focus of like, where they started, where this character ends. Yeah. And like, like, could you, do you have like, could you see that? Like, like for, for people who are exposed to it for a long time? Yeah. Um, other guest here. Got it. We should, we should wrap this up. Yeah. Okay. Um, has he been here for a while? I don't think so. Okay. Um, can I real quick tell the story when I met Bill Murray? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. That's a perfect. Okay. That's okay. Uh, Like, cause that's like a prime example of like this. Okay. Perfect. um, And I, and I was so embarrassed because I did it like the worst situation possible. I went to go see Azure Ray uh, with Nick from my band at the Troubadour. And it was like 
it was attended, but it wasn't a sold out show. And we look to our right and Jenny Lewis comes walking in with Bill Murray and he's like a huge person. I, I had no idea. He's like six, three, but like, he he's a, he's someone you're like, huh. whoa, that guy. And he's like, great. He's a white hair. He's like, everybody's like, what the fuck? Yeah. Eyes so, all went in. So you imagine he's going to go upstairs and hang backstage. He doesn't. They go and they just like hang under the lo- loading door on the other side of the stage. So we're like, the the, the 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 opening band is playing and i am not paying attention at all i'm just like looking and then looking looking and then looking you know just like i keep being like i have to say something and about a month before i missed my opportunity to miss more to meet morrissey every one of my friends met morrissey and i was like and then by the time i had the courage i got like the brush aside i was told so that, you had like kind of a seize the had, day Jeremy. exactly like, exactly carpe diem yeah. i am gonna i am going to <laughs> i'm gonna meet bill murray so I did the thing, which I'm ashamed that I did, but I walked up after the band played and I did the tap on the shoulder, which oh. is not a good move. It's not a good move. Was he made conversation? He was, probably. He was talking with Jenny Lewis. Like, they, they were, like, looking at each other. And I did the tap on the shoulder and he turned around and all I did was I just said, I said, I'm so sorry to bother you. I just need to say thank you for giving me a sense of humor. And he looked me right in the eyes and then he did, like, the... he. he had my hand out and he shook my hand with but with both hands two hands two hand and he, he gave it like one one shake and he said you're welcome wow. and i was like that's all i fucking needed oh. i'm not gonna ask for a photo nothing that's all i needed and it's funny because i could tell that jenny lewis wasn't too excited that i did that so she kind of like each game she threw me a little shade of a look and I, <laughs> and I just leaned over to her and i was like and your new record is awesome and then she smiled really big and was like thank you because it was right around the time uh <laughs> Uh, acid tongue came out. So, That's literally like a papal yeah. thing. Yeah. What he did to you. So yeah, that was it. You met the comedy pope. Yep. Thank you to Jeremy Bohm for coming by. That was that was a great podcast. That was a great podcast. Um, thanks to Benny. Benny, I would say Benny, our newest host. I think we're like making. Benny. I think we can make it official. It's Why official. Not? Yeah, I want to. Benny's on the team, man. Benny's on the team. He's he's put his time in. He got his going we, off we track tattoo. Him. We watched him, and he was just the, a hopeful <laughs> young kid playing drums in the Gaslight Anthem. And I was like, this kid can maybe podcast someday. He was he apprenticed for a few episodes with us. Yeah, he apprenticed, and now yeah, he's part of the team. I want to get new. Uh, I want to overhaul the site, and I want to get new photos, like group photos. Nude photos? New. <laughs> nude? Not nude. <laughs> I don't think anyone wants to see me, Stephen, and Benny nude. Uh, probably not. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I want. we're going to do an overhaul. But yeah, Benny, um, Benny's great, and uh, Jeremy's great. And yeah, stage four, out now on Epitaph. And Check out Touche. Touche's always on tour. Come see us live. Yes, and come see Going Off Track Live November 15th. Um, with Laura Jane Grace and Dan Ozzy at Brooklyn Bazaar. Tickets available now at the Word Bookstore. Um, and it is the same day that the book Tranny comes out. Coincident- not coincidentally. It's not That's coincidentally. That's the whole point, I guess. <laughs> Man, I really wish I could write a book someday. I um, You will, Jonah. I don't know. That's what everyone always says to me. And, I, the, and I've had a literary agent before. And the problem is, like, I've never had something that I'm passionate enough to put that much work into. Yeah. Like, it's like making a record or something. It's like, it's a lot of work, but it's like, it's not like writing a fucking book. No, and I've started two books. And it's like, 
I mean, it's it's similar to songwriting because I used to always have I used to have this thing I called it the two verse curse where I would like I'd start writing a song I'd have like you know I'd have the hook I'd have the chorus I'd write the first two verses and then it would die because I had sh- essentially shot my load and like yeah got it out of my system but you know the song was too short I needed like a third verse and I just and I would have this backlog of songs with that all needed third verses and it's with a book <laughs> yeah you write the first chapter and then i mean that's what happened to me anyway i started writing a book, a book about my band right after it broke up and i was super like you know passionate about it and and i and diligently wrote for you know i don't know a couple hundred pages well no probably not a couple hundred pages i don't even know but essentially like the first chapter and then just that's it. Never went back. Well, I, I um, what was I? Gonna I say? also started writing a, a novel too, but really, same deal. Yeah, kind of developed the characters, got started on that kind of the intro to everything, and yeah, just you know, you got it. Takes so much discipline, man. Talk to anybody that's successful at it. Well, it's also like I'll meet the agent, and he'll be like, "Well, what what do you think?" And I'm like, "Well, like I did this and this and this, and I have this tour," and he's he'll be like. Not him, but just people in general are like, cool, like, no one's going to care about your memoir of someone they don't know. Like, it's like, it's different if you're Laura. Like, Laura is like a public figure people care about. And she happened to also have, like, all these really well-written, she's a great writer and has all these journals. Right. So it's like, she has, like, that's some like, you know, like, that's something you did sell. It's like, but for me to be like, hey, hey, like, no one cares about your life. You could, you could turn it into an angle. Yeah, maybe. Brad, I think I need to be more optimistic. Absolutely. I mean, I think a lot of people start writing books kind of for themselves, maybe. But uh, that's a lot of work. But Yeah. You, you know, you have an interesting life, Jonah. You know, you could turn it... I mean, I don't know. We need to wrap this up. Yeah, we need to wrap this up. <laughs> oh, also, um, I wanted to... I have a piece that just came out uh, for Noisy uh, on John K. Sampson. Are you familiar with him, Brad? No. He was in Propagandi in The Weaker Thens, and mm-hmm. he has a new record, and we did an article where we did an interview by mailing each other postcards. Oh, He brilliant. lives in Winnipeg, and it was really fun, and you can read that now, Noisy. That sounds fun. I'm going to check it out. Check it out. You got anything you've written? Not recently, but no? uh, yeah, I'll probably have some stuff out on Soundwag in the next couple weeks. Soundwag.com. Soundwag.com. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> All right. Well, yeah. Great. Thanks to Jeremy for coming by. And we'll be back next week. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. 
Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.